All right, welcome to another episode of the Puget Podcast. I promise I will come up with a more creative name in the future for this thing. Um, if you have listened to the show in the past, you probably noticed that there's a slightly different environment going on. I decided to pull us out of that stuffy conference room, uh, and then you know I'd take any excuse to grab a beer with uh, Matt Bach here, who is joining me this time. Um, I lost it. Uh, for those who have listened in the past, uh, you've been on the show before, mm-hmm. um, but for those who forgot, uh, if you could actually just introduce yourself again, but just a little more interesting this time. A little more interesting this time. Well, that's hard. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm Matt Bach, uh, and I work in our labs department. I've been at Puget for a very long time. I think it's, it's either 17 or 18 years, um, so almost since its start. And so I'm one of the senior guys in labs, and we spend our time working with both the hardware and like the software that our customers are using every day sure. to try to figure out the right combination of things. Because some software likes certain kinds of hardwares, other types of software likes other kinds of hardware. And so our job is kind of to figure that out. Right. Yeah. And I think you, you talked about that a little bit the last time you were mm-hmm. on. Um, but what I'd like to do today to kind of start things off is I want to dive a little bit more into like the nitty gritty of that. Oh, I can uh, do that. <laughs> I'm sure you're not disappointed by that mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. Um, so what does that actually, what does that process actually look like for you? Instead of just like, hey, we test things and it's yeah. great, you know, like what all is the work that goes into, there, there's the publications that you guys create, uh-huh. what all goes into that? Because yeah. I feel like people see the end product, but they don't understand what it is, that to, what it took to actually get there. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot. Um, I mean, even just to start, we need to understand what actually matters to the people using those applications. So um, a good example is like video editors. Oftentimes when people do like testing to try to show how much faster this CPU is, they just look at render performance or exporting. Sure. And you know, that's great, but we actually talk with our customers, talk with general people at trade shows or various, you know, things like that. And you know, that's where we learned that no, exporting is like, yeah, sometimes it's important, but it's like live playback is always right. most important. Um, so I think a lot of it has to start with that. We have to actually understand what people are doing because I mean we're not photographers or video editors or engineers sure so we need to actually have that understanding of what people are doing so that it's not a fake text it, it's it's still going to be meaningful right so that, that's the first step uh, well actually just a second like how yeah. do you how do you draw that line because you have to you have to gain enough knowledge of mm-hmm. what the workflow looks like but your end goal is not to become a video editor yeah. or a photographer. So like, where do you draw that line of that level of understanding that you need to be able to go and create these? these oh, that's, that's a really hard one. Um, the way I kind of feel, at least myself, is that I need to have a lot of the technical skills and technical understanding of like these applications. And so I, I've gotten that myself. You know, I mean, obviously, like YouTube is a big thing. Uh, but also, you know, I go to NAB or Adobe Max and just go to sessions just to hear, like, what are people's, you know, issues that people are trying to work through. Right. And so I feel like I need to make sure I have those technical skills and that technical learning. I am never going to be the kind of creative enough or artistic enough right. to really do this stuff well. I feel you on that one. Yeah. So, like, you asked me to edit a podcast or something. I could technically do it it's probably not going to end up nearly as well as someone who could, <laughs> is really into it. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the, um, at least for me, once I understand the technical side of things, I feel like I have enough of an understanding that I know what is a problem, sure. I guess. Okay. And so you put all of this work mm-hmm. into understanding uh, the specific workflows for each of these software packages. 
why not just go take these off the shelf benchmarks that we yeah. have? Like we, we could go and like there's plenty of benchmarks that are already out there. Yeah. Why are you developing these yourself? Well, it's because all the benchmarks that are out there are not for these applications. I mean, you look at like hardware reviews and it's getting better. And I feel like, I think we have a big hand in it, the fact that it's getting better. Uh, but so much of You just want to make yourself are, feel a little bit better. I do. Right? I yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, justify my you know, cost. Exactly. Uh, but so much of them for so long have been like gaming benchmarks and synthetic benchmarks. Um, and when I say synthetic, I mean like it's not even an application. Like there might be a, a video encoding benchmark, but it's not using Premiere or Resolve or Media Encoder or right. any of those. It's like using Handbrake or is that what it is? Yeah, whatever it is. Um, and like, that's great for that, but it has no bearing on like Premiere. Or sure. Any, anything like that. And so honestly, we just can't use those because it doesn't mean anything. Like a handbrake benchmark means as much as a gaming benchmark when it comes to like a Premiere Pro user. Like it kind of, yeah, it's testing the computer, but not in the way that these individual applications actually use the hardware. Right. Yeah. So, and people used those artificial benchmarks mm -hmm. for so long yeah. um, to even justify like professional workstation use cases. Yes. Now, why do you think that was? Was it just because that was, that was all that was there? Is there a lack of understanding of, of how hardware and software kind of interacts? Um, I, think, I think there's a lot Maybe of different both. things. Yeah, I, I think one of the things is that um, until fairly recently, maybe five, six, seven years, um, computers were a lot more simple. Like CPUs had one or two cores, like nothing used the GPU except to like display things on That's your true. screen. Yeah. And so it doesn't really matter what kind of a benchmark you were using because everything kind of did use the hardware the same. And you know, since then we've expanded and I, CPUs you can get with up to 64 cores. And like that is gonna be great for some applications and honestly terrible for others. So now we have, we've kind of expanded the amount of hardware uh, and the hardware's capabilities. Right. So now it's it's changing. You can't just use one benchmark to kind of say like, yeah, it's not exactly the same, but it's close enough. Yeah. You know, now it's you know, and you add in GPU acceleration, you add in storage speed, and all this, and it, it yeah, it just doesn't work anymore. Sure. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure what you've seen as well is that not only has the has the hardware changed mm -hmm. since then, but uh, but the way that the software util utilizes that hardware yes, has absolutely. changed. Yeah. And not even just the software itself, but individual features mm -hmm. within yeah, the software. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, prime example, um, Adobe's been doing a lot of stuff with GPU acceleration in the last several years, and some effects are GPU accelerated, so it uses the video card, others are not, so it uses the CPU still, and and it changes. You know, from version to version, they're constantly adding new things, or they're improving multi-core performance. And so, yeah, it's, it's not even just the software, it's, you're right, it's like, what exactly are you doing in it, and what version are you using? Sure, yeah. It's just, Again, it's just changing constantly. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a big thing, is that it wasn't as important in the past. Um, I, I think, oh, reason why it's becoming more of an issue. You know, I, I do think that that's the number one thing. Honestly, it's just the fact that hardware has changed, and now people are starting to catch up and realize that oh, you can't just use this benchmark to kind of roughly explain away everything sure. else. Yeah. yeah. So, so going back a little bit to to how the different features within the software mm -hmm. can uh, can utilize hardware differently. So, how do you balance that with then looking at when trying to create the benchmarks that you've created? Yeah. You then somehow have to come out with some overall score. 
oh, of yeah. like how does this CPU do yeah. or this GPU do for uh, for this software package? Mm -hmm. So how do you then come to this result of like here's your score of 800 yeah. or whatever? You know, how do you balance those things? Oh, that's something that's been really tough. I mean, because we've been working on developing benchmarks for quite a while. I mean, they've been they started off as totally internal only. Now we're starting to make them more public and everything. So it's starting to become more important now that we get that kind of thing right. And honestly, a lot of it is kind of arbitrary, to be honest. Uh, an example is like our Premiere Pro, we have our scores weighted 50% live playback performance, 50% export performance. Sure. And you're constantly getting people saying like, oh, that's a terrible way to do it. You should weight live playback 80% of the score. And then in the, the comment right underneath that, oh, that's a terrible way you should do it. You should wait <laughs> export 80% of the score. Always going to be making yeah. someone unhappy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we just try to balance it as much as we can with like those singular results. And then anytime we get in and talk about the results, like in our articles, that's where we dive in deeper. Because really, there's so much like nuances you miss when you look at any sort of overall score, even if you're just looking at like live playback. Like, our live playback score. Oh yeah, that's what I care about. But even within right. that, like, well, what codecs are you using? Because something like Red is going to be totally different than ProRes. Yep. And so at that point, it really gets into the really nitty gritty, where there's no score that's going to matter at all to you. You've got to look at the individual results. Right. So yeah. It's it's a tough um, subject and one that I don't think there's an answer to, but you know, we yeah. can only do the best we can. So you talked a little bit about uh, about the public. Um, mm -hmm. and their perception of the benchmarks and how they're starting to use the benchmarks. Yeah. So you recently uh, released benchmarks for uh, Premiere, After Effects, Photoshop, Lightroom, I think over the past, like, what, three, six months or something like yeah. that. Yeah, they've been available. Some of them have been available for a little while, actually. Yeah. I think our Photoshop one has been out for, like, a couple of years, even. Um, but, like, we never really pushed it all that much. It was sure. just like, oh, here it is. It will probably run on your computer if it doesn't, well, clear all your preferences, reinstall. It's, <laughs> you know, it's not very polished. Right, um, right. But yeah, recently we've really been pushing on making them polished to the point that people can run them on their own computers. Um, and that's been really, really cool. I mean, there's the obvious reasons why we would want to do that. Like, well, unless people run our benchmarks on their own computers and then they can see how much faster a new computer would be. You know, that's, that's an obvious benefit sure. to us as a workstation manufacturer. Um, but there's a lot of other things too, like, Honestly, there's so much that we can't test. Like we don't sell laptops. We don't sell um, lower end machines. We, we typically are on the higher end side. Right. So all this stuff that we don't test, if we can release benchmarks that can do it, that just helps all those people that are you know, looking for that kind of a thing. You know, there's a lot of people that need a laptop, especially like say photographers that are they're on site all the time we don't do any of that testing, we still want to help the community. Right. And this is our way to help the community indirectly, sort sure. of. Yeah. And have you, seen, have you seen any impact like that? Have you seen uh, these benchmarks after they've been released uh, mm -hmm. into the public for a while, have you seen an impact on the community or, or even if it's just anecdotal? Yeah, some, somewhat. I mean, so far, I mean, just recently we've um, started pushing them more, but we've already seen like some hardware review sites are starting to use them. Um, I, I just see it starting to pop up on forums or Reddit, you know, people putting in results. And, you know, it's still fairly early from us, so there's not a lot of um, infrastructure around them yet. But uh, just from even what we've seen so far, yeah, I think it's going to make a big difference. And again, it's, it's all about letting people test in the applications they actually care about, you know, and are using every day. 
and having it as like a standard. Because I think that's the other thing. There already are a lot of hardware reviewers that are trying to test, say Premiere Pro or Lightroom or whatever. But the problem is they do it in their very narrow scope and it makes a lot of sense to them. But an example, I know there was a review site, I forget who it was, but they tested basically their own uh, projects. They were like a YouTube site or whatever, and they tested like encode times of their own videos. Okay. And that's great for them, but if I remember right, they, they were shooting like Canon RAW or something. And Canon RAW is a very different codec than like H.264, which a lot of people are gonna be recording in. Right. And so it's like made sense for them, but honestly, even for the like viewers, it, it almost like, great i guess but it because it was so specific to what they do it almost doesn't apply to a lot of their viewers so i think that's the other part of us releasing these benchmarks is it provides a standard standard kind of performance measurement yeah so the goal there is to kind of crowdsource this information basically mm -hmm. yeah um, to some degree yeah and and maybe this is something you've already kind of touched on but mm -hmm. what is What's the most idealistic, like best case scenario that you imagine of these uh, benchmarks being out in the public now? Honestly, that a lot of people will use them. Uh, and that, that's the biggest thing. I mean, we, we've recently launched the commercial version of our benchmarks, which really just means that we're licensing it for people to use for commercial uses, like hardware reviews, workstation manufacturers, all that kind of jazz. Um, and that includes like some automation. And the reason why we're doing that is again, like you kind of said, crowdsourcing, because we can't test, we don't test laptops, we don't test low-end machines, we don't test a lot of different stuff. Right. And that lets those reviewers now start to do that. And um, we're also building in soon into our free version even, like a way to upload results. And once we do that, then it's even more crowdsourced. These people with machines that are five years old that like we're never going to test, hardware reviewers are never going to test. Now there's results out there that people can look at and compare to and see what like an upgrade, you know, if they wanted to upgrade their system from four years ago and like upgrade their CPU a couple of, you know, levels, like you're not going to find that in hardware reviews right. anywhere, but that might be in a database if we have this public that people can upload into a database. So you, so you just teased a little bit that there's yeah. a commercial version. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Like, what is the difference between the free version and the commercial version? Uh, most. So the main reason we're releasing a commercial version is to kind of offset our costs, I, I, I suppose, is, is probably the most accurate way to say it. Sure. Um, because like people who are doing it, like running it at home and like just by themselves, like whatever, that doesn't cost us anything to put it out there, go for it. Um, but once we start getting into say like um, hardware reviewers, that kind of is technically a competitor to us since most of our marketing is through our testing and our articles. As soon as we put those tools in the hands of hardware reviewers, we're giving them the same tools that we have. Right, and that was something I was going to ask earlier. Yeah. It's like, why would you? Why would you give other people the ability to do your job? Yeah, from a from just a purely job security standpoint. Yeah. you know, it's like here, everyone else, go do my job. Well, I know? mean, part of my job is to make these things and improve them. So totally, I mean, that's, totally, that's totally. Yeah. But um, so part of the reason why we have a paid commercial version is so that we just offset some of those costs, the, the potential loss of traffic to our website because these bigger, you know, huge review sites are now using our benchmarks. 
we have to offset that somehow. Right. Um, there's also the... I mean, going back to the beginning here, we were talking about all the work that went into actually developing these yeah, benchmarks. Yeah, it was a lot so, of yeah. work. And yeah. trying to get an application like Photoshop or Premiere or Lightroom or After Effects, these applications that are not made to be automated, to automate them right. for benchmarking yeah. is really hard. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of cost there. So, um, so yeah, there's the covering the cost of any lost traffic. There's also the trying to offset the cost of if any of our workstation competitors started using our um, benchmarks to like um, to test the systems before they ship. Because sure. I mean, that's what we do. I mean, our production department, they run most of our benchmarks before the system ships. To Put make it sure through real-world testing. Yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. buying a computer for Premiere Pro, we want to make sure it actually works in Premiere Pro. That's a weird idea. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and like no one else has that capability except for us. And now that we're giving that capability to those direct competitors to right. us, now we have to offset that cost somehow too. Now with um, that, there's I assume that there's also actual feature sets that are not included in the free version though, right? Yeah, but it's mostly like we, a lot of it is, honestly the biggest thing is the permission for commercial use. That's the biggest thing. There are a few other things that we put in that we felt wouldn't be important to someone using it just at home that um, is a nice little added benefit to these people actually paying things like, um, It'll log the results to a CSV so that they can easily combine, you know, results to, to create articles. Um, it can be automated so that there is no like need to click buttons. Like, you just tell we have a little utility. You tell it to run, and it just like goes and it benchmarks and does everything. Sure. Um, it's, so it's it's things like that. Um, so it's little quality of life things that reviewers or hardware manufacturers would want. Where again, the free people at home, it makes no difference whatsoever to them. Right. So we, we're not keeping like, oh, these kinds of tests are only available in the commercial version. Like, yeah. no, do, you see, uh, do you see a future where these benchmarks could be used at, say, like the software vendor themselves? Oh, sure. Uh, I think a lot of them, you know, like Adobe, I, I know um, that a lot of the teams have their own in-house suites that they use. Um, but I think a lot of their stuff, th this is a little bit conjecture. I mean, I don't have confirmation from sure, them or sure. anything. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of their stuff is more focused on the uh, very low level kinds of things. So like they're doing, they're making some blur GPU accelerated. They'll apply that same blur like 10 times to a clip to see how much faster it is. Right. And like, that's not really real. No one applies it's a blur 10 times. It's not actually used, yeah. yeah. But to them, that's what they care about because then they can measure like the maximum performance kind of difference. Um, but when it comes to real world, yeah, that's not really applicable. So yeah, I could see them potentially using it. Um, I do think it's a little bit tough for them, again, because like they're working on very specific things. They're working on like, okay, on this update, we're going to improve you know, X, Y, and Z effects. And if our benchmark doesn't test those, because right, there's literally, yeah. yeah, there's hundreds and thousands of effects in all of these applications, like then it might not make sense for what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but it's like an overall kind of like thing. Yeah, sure, yeah. they possibly could. Do you have a uh, kind of a long-term view of, of what you picture um, that's the way to put it. How you picture the the benchmarks being used, uh, not just, we talked a little bit about in the community, but mm -hmm. like here at Puget Systems as well. Oh yeah, there, there's, oh man, there's so many cool things we're working on that I'm really, really excited for. <laughs> I can nerd out about this stuff. Um, I, I think there's a lot of um, low hanging fruit that we've got to get first. Um, some of them is like, we have to push all of our benchmarks out to our production department and we need to do that so that we are testing you know, if someone says, I'm using this computer for Photoshop, we want to actually run Photoshop. Um, 
and expand that out if they say, I'm using this computer for GIMP, which is like a free version of Photoshop, kind of. Um, we still run Photoshop. So again, I think doing all of that kind of stuff we need to do. Um, I, I touched briefly on the fact that we're going to be having a uh, result browser at, at a certain point. Well, like you can yeah. upload results and then you can browse. Um, and that, I think, is going to be really huge because then we have an easier way for our customers or potential customers to run a benchmark. They can upload the results and then our consultants can look at those results and say, okay, um, you're looking for a system that is at least 20% faster than what you have today in order to justify the cost. Yeah. Here's a couple of configurations that are exactly 20% or 25% or 30% faster. Um, so that's a huge thing for us because then that, that removes all of the like guesswork of like, well, how much faster will this new computer be? Yep. And right now you're just kind of like, well, a, a bit, a lot, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and so if we can really start working those things in and making it easier for customers to run, then like our consultants could tell them exactly like, well, on our benchmark, it's, you know, this new system, you know, this $5,000 computer will be 20% faster. This $6,000 computer will be 25% yep. faster. And that's, you get, you know, it's, it's like a, almost an ROI calculator. Like the, yeah. you can actually calculate your return on investment of spending all this money. You know, you would then know that like, okay, this will let me finish projects 20% faster. Yep. And I think, and, and, and we've seen that before, uh, we've seen it in other places in the industry, but it tends to be uh, very specific use cases. Um, yes. So it'd be something that we, something that someone knows scales incredibly well. Mm -hmm. um, so we can say like, okay, well, you're going to, you know, you're adding two GPUs, yeah. so you're going to get two X performance. Yeah, basically. things like rendering. Is, Ex exactly. Is, yeah, like yeah. 3D but, rendering. But we haven't, where we haven't seen that happen before is in these highly variable yeah. uh, use cases, such as Premiere and After yeah. Effects. Yeah. Well, and there's, oh man, okay, this is really getting down rabbit hole. <laughs> but one of the other things we're hoping to do as well is expand our benchmarks out to have, um, to, um, to expand our benchmarks out to have like custom modes. So we have like our test projects that, you know, we benchmark and they're very fixed. Like you don't change sure, anything, yeah. they're fixed. But I mean, even as much as we try, like uh, our Premiere Pro benchmark, I think we test something like 20 different codecs. And like, that's great, but what if this customer is using this 21st click? Yep. This slightly different one. Um, it, it's not going to be perfect. So one of the things we're hoping to do is to make a custom mode where it's whatever project you have, it'll run it. You know, same stuff you could do manually. I mean, you could sit there with a stopwatch and time how long it takes to export. Um, you can figure out the FPS playback like in Premiere by looking at the drop frames and then doing math. But this basically just does it on an automated level. Right. Um, and once we do that, then what we can do is ask our customers to, to like send us that project. Okay, so that's what I was just about yeah. to say because then it's not, like even if they were able to run their own custom project, it wouldn't mean it's not contextual. No. So you don't understand like, yes, cool, I got this number, but what does it mean? Yeah, yeah knowing that, hey, it, this project, I can play back you know, in the timeline at 20 FPS on average, great. But yeah, what we can do then yep. is ask the customers to send it in uh, we're working on um, automating a lot of our um, like our labs hardware fleet, so like all the test uh, systems we have. And once we get that project from the customer, we can package it up into our own like custom benchmark, run it on all those systems, and then we can give them a report saying like, here's your performance, here's the performance of, you know, three different configurations that we would recommend. Yep. Now you know exactly how much faster a new computer will be with what you actually do every day. 
you know, with whatever effects you had applied, what whatever whatever you want to do. Yeah. And then we know exactly how much faster it is. It's a really, really cool idea. Because I, I imagine that even just outside of the computer hardware space, that there are not it's not too often where you're able to look at a purchase, especially a five, ten thousand dollar purchase, right. and calculate the exact ROI on no. it. Like I guess when you buy a car, you know how much how much faster it could possibly go, but like, okay. Even then, you can't really calculate the ROI on that, you know. Yeah. But. Well, and even like if you wanted to do like miles per gallon, like gas efficiency. Well, sure. Like, sure there's sure. so many like, well, freeway and and you know versus city and all that. It's it's still tough. You love your car analogies, yeah. I do love. <laughs> I think they're the easiest things to use when we talk about computers. Uh, but yeah, so I'm really, really, really excited about that. Um, we have a lot of work we need to do before we get to that point, but that's one of the top things on my radar right now. It's because yeah, once we do that, like I would hope, I, this probably isn't going to be possible, but I would hope that like almost every single one of our customers before they buy a system, they send us a little they would project. They able to run that. Yep. Yeah, they run it on their own computer. They send it to us. We push it out to like our fleet of you know sample hardware configurations. It returns like a report, and you just get a like. They could Here even have go. this little deliverable at the end of yeah. this, like this breakdown. Yeah, of, and if here's they what we recommend. and if yeah. they need to take it to like their purchasing department or you know upper level management or whatever to be able to justify the uh, you know cost, because I think that's a big thing. Oftentimes is like, you know, this editor or photographer or whoever, you know, who's actually on the front lines doing this work, they might be on a super old crappy computer, and it's really hard to convince purchasing. Oh yeah, they're need. just gonna say, hey, go get this MacBook. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's really hard to convince them. Like, yeah, you you should spend five thousand dollars. And they're like, well, but you're doing the job. Yeah, you don't need it. But if they can come back to them and say, like, okay, this new five thousand dollar computer will be twice as fast as my current computer, which means I can complete my jobs in I don't know twenty five percent faster time, then it becomes like, okay, well, it has a ROI. Like, it's a return on investment in. Six months. We make this back exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. then it's like it just becomes so much more uh, ammunition that they can use. Yeah. So we're gonna go way back here for a second. Yeah. So how? I think we might have talked about this in the very first episode, but how? How did this even start mm -hmm. for you? For you to be starting to to build these benchmarks out? Oh, that's a long way back. I don't even know how far back. Um, it started off when we first started our labs department. Um, and it started off as actually like almost more hardware review as like you would imagine. Like, hey, we are interested in this case, so let's review it, put up a bunch of pictures and post an article about review of this case. Right. And we quickly realized that like, oh, there's no real like value add to that. There's a bunch of other hardware review Everyone's sites. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's some really great people doing it, like Tom's Hardware and Antec and all these other guys. Like, they do a terrific job and we're just like, doing it worse than this. So like, why? <laughs> um, so that's when we started switching over to, well, what are they not doing? And we realized that like, well, they're not actually really testing these things that our customers are doing every day. Like, yes, they have gaming benchmarks, they have synthetic benchmarks, right, yeah. but they're not actually testing our customer base. Because I mean, to be honest, like our customers, it's a fairly small market in terms of just like the overall population. You know, the number of people that are out there, how many are video editors? Yeah. Not really that many. Um, and that's some, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of these hardware sites have not been able to focus on that in the past is because, I mean, they're going for the masses. They make their money with ad clicks and, and things like that. Uh, versus us, we make our money by selling workstations. So it's fine that it's a small market. Right. Um, so that's kind of where it started is we found, we saw that need. So let's answer 
that need. And I think it's, it's expanded quite a bit since then. Like it's, at the start, it was all about our customers. And now we've expanded it out where it's like, well, okay, you're not our customer, you're not a potential customer, but we still want to help the community. Yeah. You know, the more we can help the community, the more it does lift up our customers and you know, it just makes everything better. Yeah. Uh, and some of it is like, you know, far reaching, like, yeah, we'll help people who are students because we know in five, 10 years, they're gonna be, you know, much you know, higher up in their organizations. And if we've made them into a friend, yeah. And their higher potential of a customer. So yeah. there's the there's the cold side of it that you know that too. Sure, sure. I mean, I, yeah, I think that I mean I've only been at Puget for five, six years five, now, six, which yeah. I guess I shouldn't say only. It's been yeah, a while. that's quite a while. It's been a little bit, yeah. Um, but it does feel like it, there's always been this element of identifying a need and helping the community. Um, yeah. Because even beyond just the the benchmarks, like where that was then taken was the the recommended systems program mm -hmm. uh, where we optimized, you know, the hardware for different software or optimized the hardware configurations for different software packages. Um, and, and that's like, that's all on the website. Yeah. And so I feel like, like people could absolutely just, you know, they could walk up, they could take that information, boom, right over to a competitor. I mean, or even our competitors are doing that. <laughs> a, sure, a lot totally, of them yeah, already yeah. Have, have kind of copied the whole like software first approach, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know how much of that is copy versus they came up with it on their own because they saw the same need we did. Well, um, I, I think it's the I think it, it's yeah. just the change in in company culture almost yeah. um, over time where people where companies are kind of understand, understanding that user experience yeah. is, is the best thing that you can do. And so that's providing software first, like thinking about what they're doing yeah. first, I think is what is uh, is propelling those companies that direction. Yeah, I, the, I mean, this is really getting done, Rebel. I think the other thing too is also that computers are starting to become more of a commodity for most people out there. You don't need a five or $10,000 computer to play video games at home. You can do that. I mean, a lot of people just do that on their phone. Right, do absolutely. that on a laptop. And like some of the best games out there, you can run on a laptop. Yep. The, you don't need that much. So I also feel like a lot of these companies are starting to realize that, hey, there's no real future in selling $500 PCs, you know, except in very specific, like they have to really be focused on margins if they want to do that. But if they want to provide a good experience and you know, just a complete experience, I should say, not just good, um, then they have to start attacking those higher end markets, you know, just like we do and what we, how we've pretty much always done. And in those areas, you can't get away with just like, Here's a page with a bunch of specs. Go for it. Right. Like totally. You really do have to help and you know optimize and yeah. remove. I don't want to say remove choice, but remove bad choice. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like when I'm sitting there staring at all the toothpaste, and I'm like, I don't know which one to get. You know. <laughs> which one has it's the most like, dentist recommendations? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nine out of ten. Sure, I'll trust them. Um, but no. Uh, so like to be just a little bit more specific, mm -hmm. um, how did you? Oh, how did I? How did you end up getting involved so heavily in, in all the benchmarks? Oh man, I think it was just kind of, that's, that's just where it started. <laughs> I was kind of Proximity, doing that. you were just close to it? Well, I, I, I think I was at that time when labs made the transition from general hardware review stuff and qualifications to like this software application workstation act. Um, you just happened to be the person sitting in that chair? Yeah, I mean, at that point I was labs. Yeah. So like, I, I kind of had to. Um, I do also think that, like, I mean, I've been at Puget forever. Yeah. So at this point, I have been able to slowly tweak what I do to be what I'm interested in. <laughs> so it's just kind of gone this direction, you know, a little bit more towards, it's, it's actually a lot of programming, trying to get, like, plugins developed that'll actually benchmark these applications and stuff, which I, I find that side really interesting myself. And then 
yeah, just like the what are people actually doing and try to tie that in. Yeah. It's like trying to tie in synthetic with real. Like, I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but like, yeah, trying to make a benchmark that is real is really interesting to yeah. me. And I have to imagine that there's something rewarding about doing something that you can kind of look around and say, hey, no one else is really doing this. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's always, well, and now even starting to look around and seeing like, hey, people are using this. Yeah. Ooh, that's cool. Like. It's just like if you sell stock, stock photography, you're actually like seeing it show up on seeing like a commercial. It's like, oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. I shot that. Um, so I th to me, it's, it's some of that too. Just like, yeah, seeing it actually happen and making an impact. Um, it's great to see like someone post something on Reddit or something like asking like, hey, I was thinking about buying this. And someone responds with, well, here's this article that says no. Oh, using one that. of your articles. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all the time. It's like, no, that's wrong. Don't buy that, buy this. And that's, that's, that's really, great to see um, yeah yeah to be able to see that you're having not just an impact on on people's on people's work but taking it uh, taking a step back and realizing <laughs> that's actually having an impact on people's lives you know like now that they can render this out this much faster like mm -hmm. that's more time that they can spend with their family or well and they like didn't that. even know that they were missing out on that before i mean that's the cool thing about us actually doing all this work now is they actually know that they're getting the right thing versus like, well, I wonder if I should have bought that dual Xeon. I'm just like, no, you shouldn't have. <laughs> For the next two years, you're kicking yourself like, I don't know if I actually bought that. Yeah, I, I should have yeah, spent yeah. that extra $5,000. Like, no, you shouldn't have. Yeah. And like being able to just like take that load off. But Make you're exactly days, right yeah. what you said, like being able to spend more time with your family because you're not waiting on work. Like, yeah, that's, that's huge. Because at the end of the day, like work is work. And, but like, and this is starting to get into like personal philosophy. Oh, well. yeah, yeah. But like work is important. See, now you're talking about what interests me. Yeah. <laughs> like work, work is important. And to a lot of people, like work is also their hobby. Yep. So like that, that's a little bit different. Like even to me, like a lot of the work I do is kind of a hobby even sort of. Like it's really interesting to me, so I like it. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the time, yeah, work is work. But you should also be able to like, yeah, spend time with your family, have time off, go travel, go do whatever you want to do, play video games all day yeah. and not yeah, be limited by your work. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's, that's really the heart of it right there is, is it, I, I think that we, we and, and like the industry will tend to get mm -hmm. really caught up in like saying two times faster, four times faster. But really at the end of the day, it's all about like, what does that mean for, for not just your work, but yeah. for your life itself. Yeah. I mean, any editor has had those really late you know, you're working overnight, rush jobs, and like... Oh, you're telling me they don't want to stay up until 3 a.m. to get yeah. the video released the next day, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure they love getting that, like, client request, you know, change request at 11 at night, you know, when they're supposed to deliver it, you exactly, know, 7 a.m. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and like, being oh, able to turn that around. Thing? Uh, exactly. I'm like, yeah, sure, changing the font is not that hard, but then you have to render the whole video. Yeah. Ah, like, oh, gross. All right, well, we should probably wrap it up at this point. Sure. Um, but uh, thank you for joining me again. Ooh. And uh, to the audience, like, definitely let us know if you liked the new format here. Uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully we're not getting too much noise. Um, but we'd love more feedback. So uh, thanks for listening.